Elaine, you don't like the movie? I hate it! I want to rent a movie. I want to rent a movie. What's that for? You work in a video store. I work in a shitty video store. I want to go to a good video store so I can get a good movie. Money now and a lot more when I get in that office. I can take that to the bank. I'm gonna take you to the bank, Senator Trent. To the Black Bank. I treated you like a son! You fucking stabbed me in the heart! Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck! Master, number three managed to get the gold, but he just sent up a signal. Right. I'll check what the problem is. And then, I'll avenge you. Don't worry. These men are all gonna die. Threaten her with a bomb. No, I said I didn't have a bomb. You said bomb. I said it's not like I have a bomb. You said bomb on an airplane. What's wrong with saying bomb on an airplane? You can't say bomb. Welcome back, everybody, to our third session of Breaking Brad. Uh, Brad, this this show is all about you, buddy. How how you feeling tonight? Uh, Troy, so we've been doing this podcast for actually almost three years now. And over that time, you and I have become closer. I've become closer with Sammy. I met Jose. Yeah. Um, I feel like we've, you know, all bonded really well. I think I would throw it all away to not ever have to see Loquisha. Oh, wow. So we're, we're not in a good mood, huh? <laughs> we are, we are not in a good mood. And be- the fact that Troy, I had to watch Loquisha again today because I had watched it over a week ago and literally remembered nothing about it. So, um, did would, the old, uh, would you say you're irritable, expansive or manic? Uh, I'm definitely irritable to be honest with you. Okay. All right. Well, if you need to get expansive, I got just the thing. Uh-oh. <laughs> so do I. Wow. I'm wearing, swe- I'm wearing sweatpants, so if I get too expansive. Yeah, expansive? I, no- I noticed that you were you were sort of uh, carelessly dressed and groomed this evening, which is unusual for you. Yeah, I'm always dressed to the nines. We all know that. I, I know. And, yeah. and, uh, all, so for the listeners, they don't know that Breaking Bread is a, it's a ceremonial thing. So we're all tucked up. Yes. Uh, we're all looking quite good. I wear a sweater vest, man. Look at this. Well, I know. <laughs> yeah. You're rocking the dad look hard. Hell yeah, I am. Uh, well, listen, the the third experiment uh, really was a doozy. It was, it was something that was on the radar, but somebody had wrote in and said, hey, you should talk about this film from 2019. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, yeah, we got we got to push this one up. So tonight we're going to see how Brad reacted to 2019's Laquisha, just a quick summary. Here it is from IMDb. Faced with a financial crisis, Joe, a divorced, quick-witted bartender, applies for a job at a failing Detroit radio station 
as a black female disc jockey. Yep. There you go. Well, you if, know, yeah, go ahead, Brad. You know, what's really fun to watch on, on in, in film. Yeah. is the struggle of the white straight middle-class male. It's just, they have it so tough, Troy. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's, uh, I guess let's dive right into this. I mean, if, if any movie's going to get us canceled, I guess it's this one, right? We didn't make the damn thing. No, we didn't make it, but is discussing it just as bad? I don't know. <laughs> it could be. Now, could be. if, if someone was playing along and decided to watch this straight to Tubi movie, uh, maybe we did a disservice to them and it, for that, I apologize, but look, man, it's a piece of art and we can discuss it. Yeah. I, I got a, you know, full disclosure when we announced this and I showed the trailer to my wife, she was all excited. She's like, I want to watch that with you. That looks great. And, and we sat down to, to watch it. And by the end of the film, I really thought that I was going to be the subject of some true crime podcast because she literally was going to murder me. Uh, this, this, put me in timeout for years. Um, she absolutely <laughs> hated this thing. Uh, it, but it, but it is interesting. So we're, we're talking about a sensitive subject that this is not the first movie to tackle that, to be quite honest. As a matter of fact, in, in Laquisha, they, they mention a couple of other films that tries to take one particular type of person that is impersonating another type of person and kind of um, drain some comedy out of it. And we talked about this off air. The, the movie that comes to mind that this one is probably closely related to is soul man, right? See yeah. Thomas Al. Yes. Does anybody remember soul man? Oh, uh, absolutely. Okay. Vividly, yeah. vividly. I remember soul man. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and was anybody a fan of it at the time or a fan of it now? I was, I was a big fan of it then. And I'm, I'm, and you know, I don't know what this says about me, but I'm still a big fan of it, but I, I realized that it's a moment in time. Yes. I think uh, two things could be true at the same time, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if you think about that film in the context of when it came out, I, I don't think it was terrible. It was trying to do something right. Uh, it, it's heart was in the right place. Maybe the execution was problematic but I, I, th I think of even stuff where Eddie Murphy did the SNL skit where he put on the makeup as a, as a white guy and then went out yeah. and they were showing all the things, all the free stuff he was getting just by being white. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there, there are examples of this throughout cinema and TV history where you can look at it in a particular way and say, okay, maybe it didn't age well. But I don't think you can look at the filmmaker, the actors, those involved, and say, okay, they were doing something out of spite. They were they they actually were trying to do some type of social commentary messaging in a positive way. But for the time being, like Soul Man, maybe 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 it's problematic. Mm. But the intention might be good. I mean, is that fair? Yeah, problematic I, is totally fair. Problematic I, is absolutely fair. I, I think also I think um a stronger comparison to this, and it might even be a, the flip side of this, is the Wayans Brothers' comedy White Chicks, which oh, yeah. I am a huge fan of. Again, I don't know what that says about me because I watched that movie repeatedly and I laugh my ass off. Mm. Um, but it was in that movie, it was African American comedic actors skewering white people. 
Yes. Right. And um, and so, in other words, you know, the shoe is on the other foot with regards to this one, but they took it even further because they had this elaborate si- uh, special effects makeup to make them look white. Um, Terrifying would be the word I'd use. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Stuff they, of they nightmares. Were very scary looking. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I think that that was also striving for some humor and some social commentary. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe it's hard. And this movie, too, it's hard. There are some scenes in here that are probably better than the movie actually is. And in, in another film might work. But here they just kind of don't. <laughs> so I think you bring up valid points because all this stuff we're talking about. And I know we're kind of getting off to a serious start here from a movie that you can't really take too seriously. But, you know, these things happen in culture, whether we like them or not. I don't think anybody that worked on this film set out to make something offensive. So, yeah, offensive. Yeah. Now, I do think they set out to make something tasteless. And I think there's a fine line there. And I think our collective culture sees this as something other than what it probably really is. Yep. But I think what also our collective culture can probably agree with is it's just not a very well-made movie um, <laughs> at all. Yes. Uh, yes. It's, it's a bad movie. But it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't even have a quality that I can think of that even takes it into cult status, really. Because it's it's just it's just kind of bad. Soul Man at least has a, a cult quality of can you believe that they made this and that I enjoyed it <laughs> and that it showed in theaters. I mean, yeah, even White Chicks, it was, it was a showed hit. in theaters. Yeah, it was a hit. <laughs> and uh, maybe you want to see Thomas Howe's biggest hits. Yeah, and so that's that's an interesting conundrum you kind of put yourself in. I talked to you guys via text and said something kind of interesting when we were kind of talking about this movie which I'll get to when we get to that point. But Mm -hmm. there are some things about this film that I think there's, there's some things where there's attempts made to go around the bad taste, but the taste is so bad. I don't know if it can save itself. Well, I know it can't save itself because (laughs) this movie was, I mean, this movie is dreadful. It was, it it was bad. Um, Yes. It was a bad movie. (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess Brad, this this is all about you. We're picking films to to just torture you with, more or less, to see what the breaking point is. Obviously, we're starting off uh, pretty good because you're you're carelessly dressed and groomed. You're irritable. Uh, let's let's see. Wow, you're just mean. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but you also said you hope to never watch this again and put it in the context of um, this three year. Uh, yeah. Project. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, I do want to bring up something too that I, I was thinking about while watching Laquisha as your mind begins to sort of wander, and that's like Frank Hazaria on The Simpsons. I remember mm. watching The Simpsons for the longest time, mm-hmm. and Frank Hazaria did so and, many voices, yeah. but he also did the Quickie Apu. Mart Apu. Yeah. Apu. And for the longest time, no one blinked an eye at that. They thought it was funny. They thought it was actually well done. And then, I don't know, 10, five to 10 years ago, we hit the pause button and said, why is a guy, a white male playing uh, this character? And I don't think people were, I don't think his intent from the impression was out of anything malicious or, 
but he was playing into the stereotype, but he was, I don't think the intent was ever mean. There was no meanness behind it, but then you stop and think and you're like, why did they just not get like a middle Eastern person to do that character? Why are we having this white guy do it? And I think that was the problem most people had. It's like you had this guy doing it. Why not have the real thing? And I think, you know, that goes back to blackface and the fact that its roots are like with white guys painting their face and playing characters of African-Americans because they didn't want to have real African-Americans in the production, but they also did it out of like this real mean sort of, and then they almost played them as monkeys and stuff like that. Like it's real sort of evil. Um, I, you know, white chicks, People are like, well, why can the the Wayans brothers get away with it? And it's like, because white girls have no problem in society to be oppressed. Like, there's like this whole other level of like oppression and things like that. Again, blackface is is marred with a terrible history. Um, and then, of course, we think about like Tropic Thunder. And you're like, well, Tropic Thunder did it. Robert Downey Jr pretty much gets away with it. Mm. And you're like, well, why did he do it? And it's like, well, you have to watch it. Like the whole point of that movie is the whole blackface thing. It, it basically speaks to that. Um, and so I think this sort of movie can work as like a provocative piece of art. If executed well, mm. um, I do. I do too. I think I think of blazing saddles, something that is very provocative, mm-hmm. but has aged uncomfortably for a modern generation because it's quite harsh at times with a uh, use of the N word and mm-hmm. things like that. But it's, it's the tone with which it's done and the level with which the filmmaking is done that, you know, that it's a commentary on society in general this doesn't have that feeling. This feels like, (laughs) this feels like a bad idea with bad, bad execution. Yeah. And so that's a very low budget. Oh Um, yeah. Yeah. Like a $7 budget. And so I guess what I want to start off with saying when I, when I was watching this, it it just felt like a guy who um, at one point in time didn't get a job and it went to a minority and in his mind, the only reason he didn't get the job is because of affirmative action. And he was like, if it wasn't for affirmative action, I would have been able to get this job because obviously a minority can't be more qualified than me. I'm a straight white man. How can how can anyone be more qualified than me? That's how it kind of felt to me, to be perfectly honest with you. Really? I got zero of that messaging through the film. Oh, okay. As a matter of fact, because of some scenes in the film, I actually feel like this guy's brother or this guy's best friend went through that and had that kind of hate. And he, rather than sitting down and talking to him and explaining what's going on, decided to make a movie to show his best friend or brother and point the error of his ways out. As a matter of fact, um, I think the only thing this movie gets right is its intentions. Like, I think it has fantastic intentions. I think there's actually an interesting message here. You just got to get through a lot of shit to get to it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, so, the, and the Pat Hollywood ending where it's like, oh, it's okay. We love you because we, we now understand why you did it, which is not society at large. I'll tell you, he, this man would be canceled and hunted and ran out of this city. <laughs> yeah. That wouldn't yeah. fit the tone of the film, but yeah, well, I agree with you. So that, yeah. so that gets to the point of the text I sent. I think this movie is tasteless and I think it's, it was a bad idea done badly, but I do not actually think that it's racist. I think that he's trying to, he's trying and, and trying clumsily it's a word I don't like to use, but it's, it's definitely clumsy by making the relationship between him and an African-American lady by trying to kind of go around those things. He's trying to make amends for the tastelessness of the thing. But the problem is the filmmaking is so bad that unless you're really, and I'm not saying we're professional critics, but we watch a lot of movies between the four of us. We watch a lot of movies. Oh yeah. We know Yeah, we are the, we would be like a Voltron of a one critic, right? Yeah. (laughs) We know when somebody is swinging and missing and he is missing badly for the majority of this film. And it's kind of sad in a way, because actually the one relationship in this film that I found endearing was him and the, what's her name? Is her name Rachel? Is that Rachel? Yeah. And I think they handled it so badly that by the time it gets to it, I don't care. And that's kind of a shame because if this movie was handled better, I think you could have a raw, tasteless comedy with a heartfelt ending, something that like somebody like the Fairley brothers does really well, where they can take yes. people that are handicapped or people with down syndrome or anything. And they celebrate it. They don't, I mean, they're, they're having fun, but they celebrate the differences. This yeah. is, this is not a celebration. This is, <laughs> this is a, I don't know what this is. Um, and Brad watched and it so, twice. And, <laughs> yeah. Well, in saying that, I mean, let's I think saw it twice it. too. Oh boy. Christ. You poor bastards. <laughs> I mean, Sammy, I, I, I do sort of agree with you, but I think there's intentional racism and unintentional racism. I don't think he was intentionally trying to be racist. I, I think I would counter with saying the most evil person in this film ends up being the the lady who play, plays Laquisha. Yeah, in real yeah. life yes and that which is an interesting turn that in that and that was like what i p- picked up on the second time i was like wow they really villainize the true black woman in this film yeah. that again, can't be on accident yeah that wasn't that was an odd choice and again i i agree with you somewhat on that it's it's a tasteless choice and an odd choice because they could have just made the two and i'm not saying they should have but they could have made the two white executives the bad guys yeah, but instead they deferred it and moved it back over to the Loquisha character. Now the 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 avatar for Loquisha is an awful person. It just so happens she's an awful person who's been portrayed behind the scenes by a white guy set up with a tone that makes the whole thing fall on its face. <laughs> yeah. And so Sammy, it's interesting. You talked about how the film tries to work in ways to to work around its sort of controversial concept. And so we've got that character. We've also got the black male that he hires as a producer yeah. who's yeah. kind of like, actually, you're pretty damn good. You know, whatever. I'm sorry. Ooh. I really well, should have said it that oh, way. I'm sorry. Girl, <laughs> it's going to happen. Stop. It's, it's yeah. coming out. 
<laughs> I'm telling the truth. Okay, but well, anyway, but <laughs> but it's interesting how they they do these things, and then they even set up like his love interest being African American when his previous spouse, who he has a child with, is Caucasian. And so yeah. again, those are very very interesting choices because the only way that they set up this. This romance is when she walks into the bar, and this is because I've seen it twice, y'all. But when she walks into the bar, he says, "Ooh, I'd really like to talk to her." But but that's it. And then suddenly, you know, she's like, "Oh, I have feelings for you." And then he's like, "Oh, I'm a, I'm a get the, I'm a get on this or whatever," you know. So um, watch, watch, watch it there, Loquisha. Uh, <laughs> sorry, um, but I but just from the surface level of obviously the, the I'm offended by your stuff. white people impressions too. So <laughs> let's be careful here. Yeah. I'm going but, to get on this. Yes. Hey, my please man get on this. <laughs> hey, my Hello, man, brother, What's up? please get yeah. on this. Um, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> How was your 401k? My man, <laughs> are you getting 10% on your return? <laughs> Stocks be elevating. Today. What exactly is yeah? What exactly is a food stamp, sir? <laughs> oh my god! If you, don't have, if you don't have four side hustles, you're just a bitch. <laughs> so, so this is the example of, of bad taste humor, right? And yes, exactly. The movie tries to do this, but it doesn't do it in a way that I don't it's know. It's not artful. It, it's not yeah. artful. Yeah. So there's no commentary to the comedy, yeah. and. You know, well, there's fa those failed, failed attempts at yeah. commentary. I always yes. say this to people, and I know it doesn't go over well sometimes when I say it, but I make this argument all the time. Stereotypes exist for a reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're not, um, they're not always pretty, but they exist right. for a reason. We just went through a ton of white stereotypes just now. But the, the truth is, is that stereotypes start almost like an urban legend or a myth, and they right. become part of the societal vernacular. And the next thing you know, you're poking fun at it. And then people become awakened to the fact that they're getting made fun of. And it turns into a thing. I don't think in theory, stereotypes are bad. I think what's bad is if you believe the stereotype. Yes. And you act it's on fine. it. Yeah. And, and you act on it. That's right. It's fine to find the stereotype funny. It's just not fine to actually believe the stereotype is reality. Yeah, I, I mean, from a storytelling purpose, sometimes a stereotype can help condense characteristics of something into a package, right? Yes. But it's it's it should be yeah. a fictional trope. It's it's really strange when stereotypes sort of eke out into the real world, and you start to see you know policies or practice or behaviors based on stereotypes. Then it becomes extremely problematic. And and I'm I'm not saying anything anybody doesn't know. I I right. will say something kind of controversial about this film though. And you guys are going to oh, just laugh like me. <laughs> You're going to laugh me off off of this damn thing. So you cried. No. Okay. There was no Lawrence Fishburne uh father son thing going on here. Okay. <laughs> if Kid Rock rode up on a motorcycle and smacked you on the ass, you know. <laughs> I would have gave oh, this geez. thing five stars, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I will say this about the film. I think unintentionally, unintentionally, LaQuisha is probably the smartest social commentary out there when it comes to race and um, that discussion. Here's why. If you take a step back, 
it's a middle-aged white guy trying to make a thesis about stereotypes and truth within stereotypes and looking beyond the stereotypes and getting to the truth and trying to talk about the experience of a middle-aged white guy and relate to the experience of an African-American. In that process, it is so clunky and it, it just goes off the rails at every minute. I think it is the most accurate depiction of what a middle-aged white guy goes through when he enters that race conversation. And, and the majority of the middle-aged white men in America don't know how to articulate or ask questions or even try to understand the experience of an African-American and so LaQuisha in and of itself, if you take a step back and go, man, that was terrible. That was uncomfortable. Um, there might be unintentional racism, whatever you want to say. I, I would say in a nutshell, LaQuisha unintentionally is so accurate and represents everything that is going on today when uh, somebody like me tries to enter the conversation and says, hey, I'm, I'm just trying to find a connection and I'm going to stumble along the way and I'm going to make so many mistakes in trying to learn about um, the differences. And even when I try and celebrate it, somebody from the outside would look at that and go, wow, I think you're doing more damage than celebration. And it's a learning mm. experience. And mm. as terrible as this film is, I actually think it represents what it is like for a white guy to talk about the African-American experience or try to relate to it in 2023. That's my theory. I, you know what, that is, that is a very astute and smart take on it. And I think that what you just said is encapsulated in that scene where he talks to that guy, I think his name was Don, but he, he says to him, you know, Oh, you out of work or whatever. And he says, you know, I know what you have a problem with. You have a problem with a black woman empathizing with your problems. And you think to yourself, oh, the rule of the dinosaurs is over. And and that's what I meant when I said that there are some scenes in this that are really, really strong. And yeah. maybe in a, a better movie would have worked. But that's exactly what the whole movie was about was, you know, that that scene in a nutshell was him coming to the realization that like, you know what? It's yeah, I'm in a bad situation and I took advantage of this uh, you know, want ad that said women and minorities minorities please apply what wanted for this radio talk show. But then he realized that like, you know, they are going African American people are going through prejudices and he's dealing with that and he's accepting that. And so my other thing that I wanted to say was, you know, just elevating this above what what's obviously surface level with this movie is again this notion of comedy is supposed to make us uncomfortable and it should be able to go into these areas that feel very sensitive that feel almost offensive or what have you um and comics should be able to do that without being canceled or or, you know, having things thrown at them on stage, which we've seen in the past, right? I think a couple a couple comics have been even assaulted after their after their, you know, whatever, uh, their shows. And so I think, you know, this movie not only brings up the race uh conversation 
and how uncomfortable that can be. But it also brings us back to that, you know, comedy should go to these places and we shouldn't have to cancel the comic or the person writing it. Jeremy Seville, in this case, the director and writer and the lead, um, you know, and we should not necessarily celebrate, but at least take a valid look at it. And, you know, I freely admit as well, this is very low budget. It's very badly shot. It's not written that great. And there's even a segment where he sort of battles with himself. Oh, that's, that's very God, cringeworthy. That is and the I was worst like, part of the film. Yeah. yeah. I was like, why does this need to be in here? They could have played that differently. But, but like I said, I, I, I think we're headed in dangerous territory if comics can't explore these kinds of, you know, sensitive or taboo topics and then just not be able to work again. You know, I, I agree. I mean, I, the, the way I would equate this film and, and again, it, it just, it's an uncomfortable film in its execution, but I even think in its subject matter is if, if you have a, a white guy who's sitting there and saying, Hey, I, I want to connect and I want to talk about, well, do I, do I say a black person or do I say African-American? I don't know which terminology to use given in today's context. Right. But like the whole thing of Joe is like, Hey, you're supposed to come out. You're supposed to like ask questions and communicate and, and do this and, and be do that. truthful and be truthful. He Maybe should just ask, uh, what's the guy's name? Mason. Is his name Mason? The other black the producer. Guy? Hey, yeah. how about you just have a conversation with Mason in the bar about, Hey, you know, what should I say? How should I do this? What should I do? But no, he doesn't do that. He goes around and parades as a black woman. Uh, well, and, I, the premise of it though is cause they get an offer for Oprah and stuff like that is from a public perspective, it's, it's trying to go that tropic thunder route and saying, Hey, this stereotype is what sells. And so therefore I'm, I'm going to go with that stereotype again. I'm not, I'm not praising this film in terms of, Hey, it did a really good job of trying to understand that, you know, uh, uncomfortableness of how to deal with labels, how to deal with the conversation, et cetera, in the, in the context of, of race, right? All I'm saying is if you actually take a step back and look at this film, it's actually pretty damn accurate in terms of how comfortable it is for white America to have that conversation and how often they get it wrong. But the intention is to try and get it right. Yeah. And Brad, you had a comment at the beginning, at the beginning of the episode about, you know, affirmative action, things like that. So I think that's why we all kind of go back to soul man, because that's what that was really about, mm. you know, and it was about like, Hey, how come this person gets to, and I don't, so I'm going to dress up like, and get there. Um, but that I'm gonna movie take a handled- whole bunch of melatonin. I think it's what he took in the movie. Was a- yes. <laughs> it was like some sort of pill. <laughs> yeah. Him- <laughs> Scientifically but I, inaccurate. <laughs> but I also think like, there is no penalty for Joe at the end of this film. And that's why I said the Hollywood ending, because yeah. I think it would have well, been more I, truthful if he was like run out of town and Rachel left him and stuff like or that. Or maybe like he learned something but <laughs> or so, like, yeah, something. I, I, yeah. I think, I think he's supposed to, but again, if I'm, it's a this, movie. yeah, if I'm, if I'm trying, if I'm trying to make this film and the intention, I don't know, I would, lo- I would actually love to sit down and talk with this guy. Right. But yes, and, and just Jeremy go, Seville, like, come on the show I bet for come like seven show. bucks. You can get him on here. So I would love to. And I would just, I would just kind of go, what's the intention. My, my assumption is like, how terrible of a film would it be if the intention was, Hey, here's a, a white guy trying to bridge that gap and, and get into some type of 
communication about the topic, et cetera. And at the end of the film, he's just penalized. He's canceled. Um, he goes to jail, all this other stuff, like all no, the things like that I'm not, I'm not asking him to be like burned at the stake, but like there should be something for him parading around as this character. Well, what I'm saying is that there should be a consequence of, Hey, you at least went out there. You had the discussion, you tried something. So there should be a reward versus a penalty. I think that's what the movie was trying to say. Yeah. Again, it doesn't but do Ma- it. But Mason is right there. He can have a conversation with a black gentleman who's I, probably going through so much. Like, again, the intent of this film is not to be a drama. It's supposed to be an absurdist comedy. Yeah. And it and it's yeah. supposed to do what White Chicks does or or Soul Man or Mrs. Doubtfire. All of these fi- that, you know, talks about Mrs. Doubtfire. All these yeah, films it brings up Tootsie. even or Tootsie, yeah. The whole idea of this is it's supposed to be absurdist comedy to take those stereotypes, take it to an 11, find some truth in that. But at the end of the day, the fact that you go through that discussion and attempt to bridge that gap, why would you have an ending where, you, where you're supposed to be penalized for it? Well, that I was goes just against thinking, the entire message. Dolly Parton, James, Wood, straight talk, straight talk, right? Yeah. Yes. Remember straight talk. I, doesn't she get found out and all this stuff. And I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that makes this a better film or not but i guess we're asking a lot from a guy who wrote directed produced probably edited this film um but anyway um well i think it's just interesting i mean that is what i came away from i came away with this i see where troy's coming from i see where jose is coming from i even see where brad's coming from but i think the knee-jerk reaction that i've seen online that this is one of the most racist films ever made i think that's an incorrect reaction because I don't think that was the intention. I do think knee jerk reaction. This is one of the worst movies made in the last five years. <laughs> oh, dude, it's it's right up I there with Skinner Inc. I mean, it's no Skinner. Let me. Ugh. It is no Skinner Inc. I'm not saying that. I, okay, I would, it had a ten dollar more budget. Than yes, Skinner. and I I would watch this a hundred times over Skinner Inc. <laughs> if you go, Troy, you got to watch Skinner Inc. One more time, or you have to watch Laquisha a hundred times. I'd be like. That that's an easy choice. LaQuisha a hundred times. So (laughs) I just think that's the most interesting thing about this conversation. And oddly, this absurdist goofy ass movie is leading us down this road of serious conversation. There has to be some type of value in that. So, yeah. So did he, did he succeed? I don't don't think his intentions were that. I don't think his intentions were not on the surface. I think he was trying to make a buck and I think he's trying to make a funny movie. I think that we, and this, this is the great thing about films and about books and you name it, anything creative, but paintings, video games, we all get different interpretations of things, right? I'm not saying that Joe blow that lives two doors down. Isn't right. That this is the most racist movie ever made. And you know, whatever. I'm not going to say he's not right about that. I'm not going to say he's not wrong. I'm just saying that that's what interpretation is. And everybody that worked on this film, you can't blame these folks. I mean, if there's anybody to blame, I guess it is, what's his name? Jeremy Seville. Is that his name? Jeremy Seville. Yeah. But even then, I don't think he's trying to do that. I think it's misguided and clumsy and tasteless. But I think he thought, he was making something a little poignant and 
it just falls. I often think of Shallow Howl. Remember Shallow Howl? That movie, yeah, it, it doesn't. It doesn't work on all levels, but it does some pretty interesting things, and it, it's something that the Fairley Brothers, for whatever reason, they've always been able to do. They've always been able to take these really awkward, uncomfortable situations and give them heart. And I don't know how they do that. I don't know how they pull it off, and they never get blasted for it. I think about well, the they Ivana- got blasted. They got blasted for Shallow Hal. That was out of all of their movies. It was the one that people really pushed back on. And I thought some of it was really heartfelt, though. I I don't think it's a great movie, for the record. I don't think I I agree with you, but I I will say this too: movies are, in essence, a Rorschach test. So Mm. at the end of the day, when somebody, (laughs) I'm going to pick on Brad because the the whole the whole idea of the show is it's Brad, right? And, and Brad, you can tell me if you agree or disagree, but I'm just going to share my I think my that was opinion. just because of like the funny name. So yeah, yeah. yes, sure, okay. go ahead. So uh, I think Brad and I will, will come in to something and I will have a little bit more of a glass full and half full and Brad will have a little bit of a glass half empty. And I think, yeah, that's, I think that's why our dialogue works is because... I, I even and and I'm bringing statistics up here because you're a movie you're a movie whore. I am. I'm a movie yeah. whore. I will I will look at the hundred and I don't know forty six episodes we've done whatever, and I have a passing rate that's higher than Brad. So even statistically, I will be more forgiving than Brad is. But I think film in general is like that with people. If somebody were to look at Laquisha and go, "Man, this thing's racist," and have that reactionary thing to it, I'd be like, "Well, okay, that says probably more about you." than the filmmaker. And, and I would usually start with that assumption more so than did Jeremy Seville set out to, to really just, you know, take uh, content and make fun of it and take these stereotypes and use them in the worst manner. I don't think so. I don't think he did, but again, yeah. I'm a glass half full kind of guy. Um, but anybody who comes at something, even from a quality standpoint and goes, well, that thing is just junk. I mean, what I, what I love about our discussion is even of the junkiest junk that we've looked at, all of us will always come to the table and go, yeah, but there's these five minutes I liked in the film, right? Which is which is what makes it fun to talk to you guys about. Yeah. Except Skinnamarink. Nothing good in Skinnamarink. <laughs> so, well, three minutes. There's three minutes that are really good in it. But so I, I, I did like the relationship between him and the African-American gentleman that was the producer, and I did like the relationship between him and the Tierra Parker character, Rachel. Yeah. I did like that stuff. But there's just way too little of it and way yeah. too much loquitia. <laughs> yeah. I noticed how scenes in this film go on for so long. Like yeah, the opening yeah, bar yeah. scene is like 10 minutes. Yeah, um, there's another very scene preachy. Yeah, where he's like putting together the clips and it goes on forever. Like there's no scene where we're like in and out quickly. Well, well, even the scene you mentioned earlier, one of y'all mentioned earlier of him doing the kind of multiple personality thing where he's arguing with himself. Oh, that could uh, be an uncomfortably long time. Yes. Like, okay, well, drop the bit. It, drop the bit, man. The pacing of that. So I, I remember sitting there and kind of going, um, his uh, his Laquisha outburst during the makeout with Rachel. Okay, that's the rock bottom. When when all yes. of that starts to happen, I'm like, ooh, we just we just hit the worst part of the, the film. The, the cop, the, and then it continues on with the. Cop then too. one minute later, he's yeah. fighting with himself as Laquisha, and I'm like, okay, never mind. This is rock bottom. Then he gets pulled over, and I'm like, ooh, wait, 
it's the succession of those three sequences <laughs> that I think absolutely just uh, I, I've never. I mean, and you have 45 minutes left in the movie at that point. I, I wrote it down. And, and most times yeah. when we're watching like, you know, bad Kaiju or something like that, and Tabitha actually sits down and I, I can kind of go, Ooh, I feel that glare. Those three sequences, I swear, I, I thought I was going to get backhanded. I mean, just for like, you, uh, I can't believe you're making me watch this. Um, yeah. they're so painful, but it, it is amazing how quickly a movie goes from bad to worse to apocalyptic in, in just like a span of 15 minutes. It's crazy. Yeah. And then he's standing in front of the mirror and he's like, no, 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 white boy. And it's like, what am I watching? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And his advice that he gives people is the most basic ass advice you give it. Hey, be yourself, communicate, yeah. you know, yeah. yada, yada, yada. Like he right. thinks since he wrote, the, uh, did he write it? I'm he did. sure he yeah. wrote it. Yeah. I'm sure he, he wrote thinks it, yeah. every goddamn line he says in this movie is the most profound thing that anyone has ever uttered out of their little mouth ever. And yeah. it is not like, I don't know if anyone likes Jeremy Seville more than Jeremy Seville. And I, like, I think that might be a problem too. <laughs> and I mean, by the way, be. he, op he opens that bar scene by doing, remember the Mahatma Gandhi routine that he does. Yeah. That, uh, that, yeah. Yeah. That was some bad that foreshadowing. Was a red flag You're right like, there, okay, right? here, here we go. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he he breaks a lot of taboos in this film, which is, I, I I don't know, I it's crazy to me. I'm sitting here thinking about the film, and one of the things I think that it has in terms of a problem is it it almost doesn't go far enough in some perspectives. Like it just it stays at the. I don't know. Mediocre. The mediocre stereotype. Let me just do some average comedy around this. Whereas better films like Blazing Saddles, Tropic Thunder, et cetera, there might be a meta perspective to it, or there's a, a I don't know, a, a, a deepened perception about, you know, that experience that you look at that and you go, that is absolutely one of the funniest things I've ever, oh, you know what? That's kind of that. I'm going to think about that for a little bit. This one just stays at the very basic level, the mediocre level, the meh level, right? And I and I don't know what you guys think. There are times at this film I'm like, just go for it. I mean, your low budget film, well, you, you, there's nothing really it, memorable about it. it. Yeah, I mean, Brad had to watch yeah. it twice to remember it. What it, it how I mean, if you're going to go for it, go for it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. some may say that in that scene where he's where he breaks out as Lucretia while he's making out with Rachel is the go for it. <laughs> <laughs> is, <yeah>. is it <laughs> yeah. I, I will say i think this has the worst green screen i have ever seen in my entire life with it's the two african-american women on the television talking yeah. oh yes my god so it was supposed to be like uh jerry like a, springer yeah but, jerry that, springer. but that set like come on they couldn't have found like, like a, MS a Paint. stage somewhere to do it yeah there's sequences the camera's floating like they're in the grocery store and the camera won't stop moving it starts to pan to the right a little bit pan to the left it's like stay yeah. still for a second dude <laughs> and then there's another scene where um the uh loquisha avatar who i ended up calling monique because she ended up being oh, like kind of mean like monique um but there's a scene where she comes to his house and they're all blocked to the far right of the screen mm -hmm. and Seville is practically cut out of that shot. It's no wonder that when you look up the, the cinematographer on IMDb, this was his last job. <laughs> oh, really? 
I mean, yeah, it's shot. There's no other credits after this. Yeah. It's not dead. Is there he? should not be any before this or after this. He just found this guy. I was like, Hey, stay behind this camera. I mean, it's interesting. It makes me want to go look at uh, Seville's other writer director credit, which is the test. Yeah. Uh, which is seven years earlier. And it makes me wonder if in fact, he's not just a bad comedian or just a bad, uh, you know, sometimes you run into these folks that are not as talented as they sometimes have the fortune of being and, and get stuff out there. I mean, you, you do run across this and I don't want to say anything bad about anybody, but maybe he's not, maybe he's just not a funny guy. I don't uh, know. Yeah. Or where he's funny in a particular context. This to me is one of those where maybe the edit, maybe the cinematography, maybe the screenplay is not doing justice to what this guy's comedic talent is. I don't know. Uh, I, I've, I've, I've talked to tons of people that in a one-on-one scenario or even a group scenario, they're the funniest people you'll, you'll ever meet. But I even, I, I just couldn't imagine them in a film, um, trying to do dialogue, et cetera. Maybe that's this guy. It's a good point. I meet people all the time that I think are incredibly charismatic and incredibly funny, but I mean, they wouldn't be, you can tell they would never be comfortable in any kind of spotlight whatsoever. They just got to be in the right room with the right people at the right time. No, I, I, I totally get it. I mean, it's, it is definitely something where if, if you take a step back and, and I, and again, I've, I've seen it with public speaking, like you, you talk with somebody and wow, put them in front of a stage of a thousand, 2000 people, they are going to own that room. And when they get up there, you, you'd think they, they didn't even know the English language. Uh, they just crash and burn. So who knows? I don't know. I, I'm just curious, Brad. I mean, we've talked about some some kind of terrible sequences, but you did not watch this in one setting, right? I did not. So I, uh, <laughs> my first go around, I asked you guys when you thought I was going to get up and take a little break. Um, yeah, I had five and minutes. I made it. I made four, it was four minutes, 12 seconds. And then I took <laughs> another one at about 20 minute mark. And then I called it a day after about, the I got to the scene where he and the and the girl are making out and he's talking to himself. And I was like, I I I gotta step back from this for a little bit. <clears throat> Only because like I I just kind of found him annoying and it was just it was just a lot. It was like drinking from a fire hydrant. I was like, I'm just I can't do this right now. Um and yeah, and then like two or three days later, like I immediately forgot pretty much everything about this. And I felt uncomfortable talking about it because I feel like you felt uncomfortable talking about it. Just no, like being able to comprehend like what had gone on. Like, sure. We can come on here and talk about how bad it is and the green screen and editing and all that stuff, but that's no fun to listen to like being able to speak at it at a little higher level. And that's why I felt like I had to watch it again today. Oh, so um, and, and that kind of comment just proves my theory that LaQuisha is extremely accurate <laughs> in terms of its overall approach to this topic. Because if you watch this film and you go, I don't know how to talk about it. It's uncomfortable. I don't know what to say. About no, it. no, no, that's not what I meant. Like I, what you I didn't, I, I just like, if we're going to have a conversation about it, no one wants to hear us say, 
this movie sucks, yada, yada, yada. This is bad. This is bad. This is bad. But like, if we want to have a intelligent conversation about maybe what it's trying to do or what it's trying to say, or, um, kind of what we've talked about for the last 45 minutes. Like we haven't talked about really how bad it is. We've, we've talked about its approach and if it is actually racist and that's what I wanted to be prepared for because I knew we weren't just going to come on here and, and talk bad about it for an hour. So we would attempt to try to dig something out of it, even if it's really not there. Is it, is it truly a bad movie if it created this type of conversation? No, I, you know, I, I, don't think the execution on it is so poor and so amateurish. It really hinders everything that it's trying to do, but I don't think this is the worst thing I've ever seen anywhere close to it. I don't, I think the execution for me is, is something that like we were at horror hounds the other last weekend. And I remember seeing a preview for a film. It's called don't fuck in the woods. Oh yeah. I, yeah. And uh, <laughs> you, you watch it and you're like, this thing was like, it's so cheap. It's so thrown together. If they're even trying to say anything, you can't really get to that point because you're so distracted by the cheapness of it all. And I think that's the worst part about LaQuisha is I think if it's better executed and it has a little bit more, money and you're not distracted by some of the really sort of terrible cinematography and the editing, it might somewhat work. Or if Jeremy Seville had someone else to maybe write this thing with him, because I think he's doing a lot of the heavy lifting and I just don't know if he's good enough to create this commentary about racism and inequality, but (sighs) But that's a good question. I mean, do there, you... there, there is stuff here. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to throw everything out with just how bad it is. Cause I think there is some stuff here that you can latch onto. Like you said, you would watch this a hundred times more before you watch Skinnamarink. No, that's fair. I, but I, I still think it goes back to how you said it to where your initial reaction is. You can critique the film for its execution but you don't know how to tackle the topic of what LaQuisha is at its center in terms of a white guy impersonating. Well, cause I completely forgot what this movie was. Like I no, had no, no, to go I, back. I, yeah, I get that. But I, I do think to my point earlier is like, that's what I, <laughs> Oh geez, I can't believe I'm it, it, so take this statement with a grain of salt. I think that's where the <laughs> brilliance. Okay. And I'm using that loosely. I think that's where the meta brilliance of the film lies in that is, is this just a social experiment to kind of go, Hey, um, from an art standpoint, I'm trying to go Andy Warhol here from, from an art standpoint, don't judge the film based on the content of the film, but judge the film based on the fact that it's a clunky film. And that by itself is, is the artistic statement. Like maybe Jeremy Seville is the greatest. Maybe he is Orson Welles in hiding, but he went, you know what? I'm going to make it this way. I'm going to make sure the camera is all shoddy. I'm going to make sure that I don't know what editing means. Um, And I'm going to make this. And it's really the overall message of the film is the statement. Hmm. I mean, 
I mean, there are some people who think Jackson Pollock is the greatest painter of all time, and other people will say he's just throwing paint everywhere. Could yeah. be. I mean, I mean that's that's the interpretation of art, right? That that's mm-hmm. what's most important. And even if it's junk to most, somebody out there sees it as something else. And uh, that's the way I try to always judge these things. But this is a bad movie. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, but but is the is is it is that the point? Like it's a bad, poorly executed, clunky film, and artistically, that's supposed to represent. I'm stretching here. No, um, no, <laughs> no. It's just it's a guy who doesn't know how to make a film, making a film. I really want yeah. to talk to this guy so bad. I'm sure we can. Yeah. I mean, we could probably. Sure make yeah, it I don't want to talk to him and go. I don't, dude. You're a terrible female filmmaker, but I want to talk to you about the themes in Laquisha. Yeah. yeah. Don't get me wrong. I, I, again, I think he set out with a different agenda than what he ended up coming across with. And I, it, yeah. it's happened. It, it ha- it'll happen again. It's not going to ever not happen. It, not everybody who can make a movie should make a movie or write a book or tell a story or anything. So I mean, there's three of us on here. How many movies have we made? True. Mm-hmm. Oh, good point, Brad. The reason why there's three of us is Jose oh, had some Jose. technical difficulty, yeah. and so he had to bow out. Um, we're hoping to get him back. We'll we'll see. Uh, but yeah, um, it's just the three of us right now. Sorry, folks. You're wondering where that. Yeah. Um, yeah, just the three of us. Just three of us. Just so, do you, uh, is is this a film? So let's let's take a step back. If you got a better director, better screenplay, actor, the whole nine yards, but take the concept of Lucretia. Could it be? Could it be made today? Would it be made today? Should it be made today? I think yes. Oh, all I, this. Hey, I, I think it can be made, and I think with a talented and maybe even somewhat transgressive filmmaker, you could have one hell of a social commentary. Okay, and well, I think it could be. Good. So, so uh, you know, and this is just because it's like in the zeitgeist and it's contemporary right now. <clears throat> like banning books and you'll ask people about, Oh, why, why should they ban this book? And they're like, well, I don't know. I haven't read it, but I heard this, <laughs> this, and this. And the same thing with like film is like, Oh, you know, Robert Downey Jr.'s blackface. So we should, we should, you know, cancel him in the film because he did blackface missing the whole entire point of the film. And I just don't know if subtlety really works now and there's nothing subtle about Laquisha, but like people just don't care about what you're trying to do if it like if getting there is messy right like if you're gonna have to get your feet dirty to get there i don't know if people want to do that because i i just think they're scared oh i don't know if it's scared i i so where i find art I'm way more glasses half uh, full when it comes to people's intentions. I'm very much glasses half empty. And in my mind, I think it's easier for people to take anything and not do any research about it or even look at things in terms of context and uh, try to make a voice for themselves by tearing down other things. So I, I just... To me, right now, my my perception of the world is it, it's a really nasty world out there. Like nobody wants to take a chance because everybody is looking for the next thing to gravitate to, 
and then make a name for themselves by tearing somebody else down. Yeah, I I think that's just the pendulum swinging. It is. I I think that's the current now. I think Mm -hmm. it'll swing different. But whereas I look at art and say, hey, I'm, I'm much more positive on that. When it comes to to a lot of times criticism, et cetera, I'm always maybe super critical of criticism because a lot of times I it, that's a great example of, well, I didn't read the book or I didn't watch the film, but I know this topic, it's terrible. And let me show you why it's terrible. And let me make a whole like podcast out of why it's terrible or YouTube videos. And, and it's like, well, dude, I mean, chill. I, I- I, I love transgressive stuff. We've we've talked about this over the yeah. years, and I love that because it's taking societal norms and it's pushing boundaries and it's throwing in our face that we are not as civilized as we think we are. Oh, yeah. We, we, we love that we can have our 2.5 kids, our house, and nice clothes and all these things, or even just a roof over our head. But the reality is, is we're just a very sophisticated animal. Yeah, and we treat each other for the most part. I mean, we're—I mean, I know the three of us were good people. I trust you guys. I wouldn't sleep at your all's houses if not. Uh, I wouldn't have my kids around you guys. But the truth is, people, there is a fine line between savagery and civilization. I mean, there's a very fine line. Yeah, it breaks easy, right? And a really good, yeah, and a really good transgressive filmmaker. And not just hit you over the head with it with something aggressive, but they can also make something very funny, which is why, you know, I consider people like Mel Brooks transgressive. John Waters is maybe <laughs> arguably one of the greatest transgressive filmmakers of all time. And these guys are pushing you to say, wait a minute, you're not right either. <laughs> I yeah, Maybe but, you need to stop and look. So my question to that, though, is for for that artist to thrive don't you need an environment in order for it to be willing to take that transgressive cinema yeah. for what it is? I mean, my, my only yeah, problem yeah, today yeah. is I, I don't think we have an environment where that type of transgressive cinema works because nobody's receptive to it. Well, so I was reading a stat the other day on this topic is like this whole cancel culture thing. And it's like someone was, was reading up the stats and it's like whenever it, people mention things that are trending on Twitter, you have to remember that 10% of the population uses Twitter daily. And so when things are becoming these huge stories on Twitter, it's only like a very small, loud, very loud minority. And so like we talk about like this cancel culture stuff, but that's just like a really loud subset of people. And Mm. I think we tend to generalize society by the loudest people. If if someone were to put out, I don't think whatever you, can I can I stop? I don't think you can just say loud though. I think you have to add an additional adjective to that that just says there is some influential power behind that. Well, yes, I mean we we wouldn't be in this situation where we are without it. Yeah, um, but I'm just talking like as society as a whole, um, <clears throat> for the most part. But I, I I think there's always going to be people who are going to be not susceptible to things that challenge them because people, some people just don't like to be challenged. Some people like, you know, transformers is their favorite movie because it's just big stuff blowing up and blah, blah, blah. But I think that you could make films 
challenging and transgressive and provocative. And there's going to be people who, who really kind of swim in those waters. Yeah. But I, 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 I just, I just think that like, I, I agree with you, but I still think the other component to that equation is you still need a market and an environment that's receptive to it without that. You can make all you want. Nobody will ever know about yeah, it. Yeah. Now, now, if you want to make smart business decisions, that's another thing. You yeah. can make art, and if no one sees it, does it really exist? I get that, but like, yeah, because you know, film is art and commerce kind of coming together. Sure. Um, I don't know. Well, I mean, think think about transgression, though. I mean, when I when you say that word, sometimes the first you hear the aggression part, and I think people automatically think aggression too. But the truth is, comedy is one of the most transgressive art forms there is. And, yes. and yeah. that's because it's pushing the boundaries, right? Yeah. And it's pushing the boundaries of good taste. It's pushing the boundaries of uh, morals. It's doing, it's in a lot of ways, it does everything we're taught not to say and not to do, right? There's this taboo to it. But I think of all the, some of the most, the greatest transgressive films ever made. Think of Dawn of the Dead. That's a transgressive film. Um, well, you know, it's, 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 it's a horror film, right? So do, yeah. do you think like from transgressive cinema, if you're thinking about horror and comedy, it's probably the most difficult transgressive cinema to make because horror and comedy is subjective. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Which makes the transgressive material part of it that much more difficult. Yeah. In my opinion. I mean, it's really, <laughs> I can't believe we're having this conversation on the LaQuisha episode. No, I was I just thinking like, about that. Like what the hell, man? I can't either. I came into this with all guns blazing, ready to fire away and defend myself. Troy's over there. I'm turning this into Citizen Kane part two. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's crazy. I mean, um, uh, it is weird. I, I, I did not think the last hour would be spent in this type of dialogue over this type of film. I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I think it's a testament. I'll say it now. I think it's a testament to how amazing you two are and Jose in terms of the the just the mental prowess that you have at looking at something and being able to dissect it and you know understand what is bad versus funny bad yeah. versus hey let's talk about messaging and then how's it apply to, to society yeah, i don't I mean, think amazing. any of us i think i think jose is going to try to get back on i don't think any of us are uh yeah he's trying to log back in okay uh, i don't think any of us are surface level guys yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, unfortunately, and I kind of agree with what Brad says and what you're saying here a little bit too, society as a whole, it, it can be very, uh, very surface. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes the transgressive elements and everything else don't play because the culture is in a weird spot right now. I'm not saying the culture is wrong for being where it's at right now. That's not for me to judge. It really isn't. Um, but I think that people have narrowed they they think they've opened their minds by pushing on people that are pushing buttons but what they're really doing is they're narrowing the whole concept of a civilized society yeah and you can get into the whole conversation of free will free speech free everything when you start shutting people down you are narrowing the whole belief system you set up and I, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get that at all. And I've never been able to understand it and I never will. I, I'm, I'm with you. I've, I've always, I, I'm sure you guys have heard that. Like, don't talk politics or religion around people, right? It's the two most sensitive topics. And, and in my mind, I'm like, well, that's 
the problem with everything is because we don't talk about them. Um, yep. and, and at the end of the day, when I, when I talk about those subjects, I'm not trying to convince anybody of my opinion. I'm, I'm really trying to understand their opinion and hold it up against my opinion and challenge myself and see what I need to change in terms of my optics or perception or thought process. I never walk into any of those conversations thinking, well, my job is to tell Brad like this and Brad better think this way. Um, no, but like just to play devil's advocate with that, like the reasonableness of some people, it's like, how are you supposed to have a conversation with someone who's like, yeah, but the Jews have these space lasers and they're murdering people and the reptiles underneath, uh, the Denver airport, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I, Unfortunately, you, you got that side of the equation, which is never going to, I mean, that that's the human condition. You're but just, dude, you're, I, that kind of conversation, I'd be like, okay, I'm saying I'm good. I believe everything <laughs> I believe. <laughs> Tell me yeah. about the space lasers. Oh, oh, yep. Okay. I'm really good. I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think, the, I think that's, the, hello, I'm back. <laughs> I think that's the other issue is that, you know, we want to have these conversations, but we don't know where to start or how to how to bridge that. And and to be sure, there are some that are that aren't introspective or extrospective enough to be able to be a cognizant part of that conversation. Well, and, and you don't have to answer this, Jose. And if this is too personal, just but has anyone ever asked you about what it's like to be a gay man and like what you go through on the day to day? You know what? I get asked that in like uh uh you know sensitivity training or something like that but okay. no one really asks that of me you know like daily you know okay i yeah. i do know of one person that talks to you on a regular basis when you're around because they do value your opinion on that because them discovering their identity and what they were going through you were a big uh, influence on getting them comfortable with it. I'm talking about my daughter. So I I know she's talked to you about some stuff and you've given a really good advice about it. Yeah. So what I've always loved about um, both my daughter and Jose is my daughter was brave enough to go to Jose and go, Hey, you know, I have some questions about this and because she's trying to figure it out herself and Jose has been very open and he, and even suggested books and stuff to her. And so if, if you're looking for like the model type discussion to happen on some of these most sensitive topics, I would just throw it over to like Jose and, and my daughter angel, because that, that's a person who was like, man, I'm trying to figure this out because I, I think I'm, I'm attracted to this and not this. And man, it's that that's going to upset a lot of things. And she knows exactly who to go to. And, and I, I was the first person to kind of go, well, I can, I can talk to you up to this and tell you, I love you for everything, no matter what. But if, if you really want some real life experiences, I mean, you know who to talk to. And she knew exactly to talk to you about some stuff, which I've always been super appreciative. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I think what we lack. Wow, we've, we have gone on a journey. <laughs> yeah, we <yeah>. have. <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to get this one last thing out here. And, you know, because we we haven't been serious enough, I got to get one more serious tidbit out there. Yeah. But I, I think about this all the time that we as a society, and I even blame myself for this sometimes, we have lost the ability to have educated conversations about tough topics. Yeah. Everything is a, well, you shouldn't do that. 
or you shouldn't say that, or you shouldn't be this way. Nobody's asking, well, why, are, why, why do you do that? Why do you do this? And, 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 and just hearing people out, nobody's asking those questions anymore. And I always tell my kids, you don't ever judge anybody. That everybody is going through something at any given point in time. You don't know what they're going through. They don't know what you're going through. Always be open and always be honest with them. And it will always work out. It always does. And yeah. uh, it's amazing how many, how few people can have a conversation now without immediately going to red. It, it just blows my mind. I, I feel like we should all be late night hosts in Detroit <laughs> giving out advice. Look, yes. look here, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Great, Actually, you know what? I, yeah, you know, it's amazing. You know what's funny? Do you, do you remember? Uh, well, maybe, maybe Brad doesn't, but I remember, I remember, maybe you don't remember this. I don't know. But when I was growing up, like we would get letters at school that said, you know, hey, this after school special is coming out. It's yeah. about drug use. Yeah. Tune in with your tune in with your parents and watch, right? Or mm-hmm. an early frost. It's about the AIDS thing. You might want to discuss this with yes. your family yeah. or the day yeah. after, right? We don't have that anymore. There isn't a you know what I mean? Like well, parents would lose their goddamn minds. Don't they would absolutely yeah. lose their goddamn minds. Well, don't get me started we, on that. I would I would lo- I would we, love to bring Tabitha on and talk about the education system right now. Yeah, because yeah. I'll say right now that there this is again one man's uneducated opinion. There is a shift in that just as an outsider looking in where the responsibility of those type of conversations is now been pushed on to the system, specifically teachers versus the yeah, home. Yeah. And to me, it's like, that is a terrible idea. Yeah, now I'm, <laughs> I'm not going down this path of any of the political stuff out there in terms of sexual orientation and books and stuff like that. All I'm saying is I feel like growing up, there was a much better balance of having some social discussions in school, but also having those with my parents. Whereas yeah. it's changed a little bit where it's like, well, we're, we're fighting that battle within the system, not the school system, but just the system in general. And I'm like, dude, where, where, where is the like parental responsibility on some of these discussions? Why, why are you mm-hmm. so concerned about what a textbook says when you should be sitting down and talking with your kids and asking questions and having an open dialogue? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of socioeconomical reasons for that. If you want to get into it, sure. But we don't. Hey, well, it's true. we're talking Laquisha. I mean, well, let's let's get I, I into say, it. <laughs> like, there the home dynamic has shifted. Yeah. You know, we used to have a a household who could you know run on one income, so I, the mom stayed at home. Both my parents worked like the full time. So I yeah. I hear that and I go, yeah, we still manage. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, there's exceptions to rules. But I mean, I'm just yes. saying, like, there's been a, a, a shift in people working more, and yada yada yada. And there's like this whole sort of paradigm shift of we don't now parents get home and hey, I'm tired and I don't want to cook, so I'm going to order food and I'm going to stick my kids in front of a TV. And yeah. uh, well, the, the world is designed. For this now, the world is designed for more fast food consumption, more TV consumption, more working consumption. Yeah. Yeah. Again, if you don't have four side hustles in a a full-time job, you're a fucking loser, right? Like, it's just like, I mean, every weekend I'm rimming. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Uh, 
I was so I was I was also going to say Brad Brad brings up a good point too, which is you know when I had dinner with my when I had dinner with my parents um, growing up. I mean, we had the news on, but it was on down low and we were always just sort of like talking about stuff. I don't think anybody does that anymore. One, like one month, I think once a week, I I told Scooter, I was like, you know what? We're not going to have the TV on when we're eating. It's just going to be the two of us, no cell phones at a table. And that yeah. first night where we did that, it was like, what the fuck do we talk about? But, but you know, it, it connected us and maybe if there was sort of more of that and not just, you know, rushing around and, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know. We would learn things about ourselves. Okay. Uh, we, we I, sound I, can't, like... I can't leave the news on around my house because I had to tell my three-year-old and six-year-old about school shootings. And I'm not ready to have that conversation yeah, uh, just yet. Listen, this is this is four old guys talking about, in my day, yeah. and we're yelling at clouds. Yeah. Get off our lawn, right? We, we need to be talking what about... Movie? What, was, what movie were we talking about again? Yeah, yeah Laquisha. Laquisha. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... If Jamie's this is the way freaking bread is going to go, we're never going to break bread. We're going to solve the world's problems. <laughs> Dang it. This, this, I'll tell you what. One, one job at a time. This, <laughs> I'm throwing this questionnaire out. This, uh, yeah. damn it. Yeah. I we are like the fellowship of the ring. This fellas. was like, not we supposed to happen. Journey. We were supposed would, yeah, to watch would Brad the, cry, the, not the fellowship get, of the rim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think did this movie break field. you, Brad? Did this movie break you? Oh, absolutely not. Like, <laughs> I think so. In the rankings, in the rankings, I think it goes the out of the ones that broke me the most. It would go the Apple, the Apple. <laughs> probably Ginger Dead Man, and then this one. Jimmy's okay. Christmas. Wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. It, it's almost like I would. I can see the Apple, but it, it's almost like I would switch the other two. I, I can tell you of the three we've watched, this is easily the worst, the worst. one. Yeah. It, but is it if if we had this kind of conversation? <laughs> yeah, I think I think is the it? conversation has swayed me. I think I like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If we didn't have this conversation, I probably would have had this at number one. Dude, but I'm after with you. talking about it, I think it's impossible to do that. I actually I gee Minnie's Christmas. I'm gonna say this is one of the best conversations we've had, which I did not did not anticipate out of this stupid movie. But it's oh, not even man. a stupid movie because it could be freaking brilliant. Because look what it got us talking about. Damn it! So I think that's I think that's the thing. I think this is what Seville had in mind when he crafted this. <laughs> freaking but <I> genius! <laughs> but I don't think. But listen, but I don't. But I don't think people are going to sit around and have this kind of conversation. They're going to be like. Turn on the next Michael Bay or whatever. You know what I mean? Like they're not. Oh, so it's not Seville's fault. We're all dumb, except not us. <laughs> We're smart. Everybody else is dumb because they're going mean, to skip over Laquisha. Kind of kick ass. I'm not going <laughs> to. And by the way, on IMDb, it says, I don't know about you, but on my page at the bottom, it has like more like this. And the more like this, there's four movies featured. Um, and then you can swipe or whatever. Yeah. But the first is the test with Jeremy Seville. And the th other three are the Trump prophecy, uh -oh. Trump versus the Illuminati, uh -oh. and 2025, the world enslaved by a virus. How is that like Laquisha? Well, because all of those are super conservative films. I guess. Are we misinterpreting Laquisha? Are, could we, we be way be. off on this one? Is, is Laquisha? Well, yeah, I mean, the, real, the real fear is you might catch the black. Oh, you might oh, catch no. the black. Yeah, and you know what they say. Once you, <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> Trump <laughs> prophecy. Oof. Um, 
All right. Well, we don't have a questionnaire to complete. Um, <laughs> that I mean, I feel like we I feel like we've solved a lot of societal ills tonight. I think we have. I feel like uh, Troy's the one dressed for it, so I feel like we got an, our next presidential candidate. <laughs> I feel like uh, <laughs> don't want the job. Thank you, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Pretty good, pension, pretty good pension plan, though. I think I'd do four years for it. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I would. It's not worth it. I'm good. There's a lot of rim jobs I in need, that office. Yeah. But anyway, uh, if the past you know, six I, years have told us anything, you don't have to be qualified. Or <laughs> basically, or, or a functioning mind. Yeah. 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 Wah, but, wah. but I mean, I, I'm kind of stunned. I'm not going to lie to you. I got into this conversation tonight. I was waiting to log in. I'm like, uh, this is going to be us blasting a movie and me making the argument that it's not racist. And somehow, Troy's turned us into, you know, the lost Orson Welles film. We never knew we, we needed. I, hey, look, I could be totally wrong. And Seville might be like, look, it's an allegory for how Trump should still be president. I don't know, man. I'm just saying it, it's a Rorschach test, right? You, you so take away from it. In 2019, that Trump was going to. Yeah, he was. He had the information about Dominion the whole time. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> the fix was in. Uh, well, OK, I guess let's talk about next month's experiment. So this one's this one's probably going to get released released on the last day of the month, um, and then we're going to be right back in April, which is yeah. a huge month. I hope everybody is celebrating Jackie Chan's birthday on April seventh. Um, oh, yeah, we have no. That's right. I, I forgot. We're getting the unveiling of what we're watching. Yeah. So a little backstory. Oh, me and Jose don't know what it is. We, you right. don't. Um, Brad and I were at Horror Hound, and so we when you go to Horror Hound. The table you have to go to and spend all your time with is Night of the Living Podcast. Mm, so yes. we we love that podcast. Uh, we've we've been friends with them for years, and uh, Freddie Freddie's been on the show before. and And we were talking. Brad was off, and and we were talking about breaking Brad. And uh, I said, you know what? It would be fantastic if you guys chose the next film, and it came from Horror Hound. So we could talk about Horror Hound. We could talk about NOTLP. Uh, and I said, there is a table here that Brad absolutely hates everything from this table. So why don't, oh, why don't we oh, go no. spend some time over there and see if oh, we can no. find the worst film possible Oh God. And, and bring from that catalog from that catalog and bring oh, NOTLP. What oh, is the I, table? I, I know what the table is. What's I the can't ta- give it away. What's the table, Sammy? Do you know what the table is? What's the table? It's got to be the trauma table. It was the trauma table. Lloyd oh Kaufman. Oh, my God, yes. Lloyd Kaufman himself was there, and oh, Freddie yeah, actually knew some people that worked for trauma. So we sent Brad off on an errand, unbeknownst to him. <laughs> and so myself and the NOTLP crew, specifically Freddie, um, had gone over and we started talking with the trauma folks. Uh, Lloyd was signing autographs, stuff like that, said hi to him. And, and we were going through. Super nice guy for the record. He's amazing. He's so amazing. He's I, yeah, my favorite horror hound moment might be when Lloyd and my wife just talked for like 30 minutes about because uh, Lloyd's wife was a school teacher, Tabitha's school teacher. They were just sharing t- stories. Um, the guy's amazing. But the yeah. trauma folks, as soon as we they knew what we were doing, they were helping. They're like, oh, you got to check this out. You got to check oh. that out. It was fantastic. We got it yes. down to like three or four titles. But Freddie and I knew we struck gold when we picked up three copies of this thing. Oh, and the guy goes, he gave us this look like, what in the hell are you doing? 
And uh, the other trauma guy goes, don't worry, it's for an experiment. And, <laughs> and the guy who's checking us out says, you know you're going to have to throw this out three times in a row. <laughs> and we're like, perfect. <laughs> then we know we've got the greatest film ever. So, so now I'm curious if I've seen this or not. Brad, uh, we picked a movie by uh, directed by a gentleman or gentlewoman. No, it's a it's a female. It's a female. Okay. Uh, cool. Directed by Kansas Bowling, and it's a 51 minute film from the Trauma Team, starring <laughs> I can't I can't believe this. Um, is it Kate Lokalen? Kato Kalen. Kato Kalen. Oh my God. Yes. Oh man. I know, I I don't I've not seen this, but I, I I don't even remember the title, but I know what it is. Yeah, Kansas Kato Bowling's Kalen. uh so the premise is it's a it takes place in the Stone Age. So it's a it's a caveman slasher film. So think of like Friday the thirteenth, but with cave people. And it's wow. called BC Butcher. Cave girl yes. gangs, rock and roll, cannibalism, and Kato Kalen shot on brilliant film. Yeah. The first slasher film to be set in prehistoric times. Exactly. 17-year-old Kansas wait. Bowling's directorial debut. Uh, your eyes will pop. Your loincloth will drop. There you go. Oh, yeah. Kadeem Hardison narrates this thing? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I'll tell you what. The, um, the reaction we got from everybody at the trauma team when we bought three copies of this was priceless. I, w I wish we could have videotaped it. It was amazing. <laughs> so Brad's got a copy. Yeah. Uh, I think the idea is um, like we, he would watch it with you, Sammy, Jose, we'll, we'll watch it together or Sammy's going to be here. Maybe, maybe we'll get together and watch it. Uh, yeah. The NOTLP crew have a copy. They've never seen it either. So next month it's going to be like a seven person podcast, I think, because we're going to get everybody yeah. from NOTLP on plus the four of us. And oh, we're going to talk about BC Butcher. Wow, I haven't done anything with NOTLP guys in a long time. Uh, this will be a nice, nice little reunion. So they all agreed to watch this and, and we're going to tackle it. So that's awesome. It'll be a first for me. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm not, I don't think I can rent. I can rent it on iTunes, oddly. But I do not want to, so I will watch it with you. Okay, perfect. Is it on know. the Amazons? Yeah, but it's you, on the Amazons. It's on we'll, the Microsoft Store. We're gonna pick a time we can get together and watch it. We got we got a month. We'll squeeze it in. I'm not worried. I know, but but maybe maybe I want to watch it several times. Well, if you get the Blu-ray, <laughs> one minutes. The Blu-ray has an intro intro by Lloyd Kaufman. It has a cave girl commentary. Prehistoric first scene. BC Butcher goes ape shit in Hollywood. Lloyd Kaufman's <laughs> tell-all interview with director Kansas Bowling. A theatrical Ooh. trailer. Two music videos directed by Kansas Bowling. Trauma Now Extreme Edition. Radiation March and traumatic trailers. Yes. Yeah. You ever seen? You, you ever seen her? You ever seen her sister's films? Indiana Lacrosse. What? No. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my god. <laughs> Bad joke. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, Sammy, you better watch out. Seville's going to come after you to write Loquisha too. Yeah. Oh man, I hope there's Loquisha girl. He can try all night long, girl. 
Okay, we, I, just, we need to get Seville on this show yeah, and do. talk about we do. Yeah, I bet myself a hundred. Well, is this? But I was betting that there was going to be blackface in Laquisha, and there wasn't. So I actually, it wasn't as racist as I thought it was oh. going to be. Yeah, the poster uh, confused me a bit. It did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. BC butchered. So okay, so you guys are going to the depths. Gonna try <clears> to, <throat> this one. This one could break us all. Uh, it could. It's yeah. only 51 minutes, but 51 four. minutes, man, we can get through 51 so minutes. The 51 minutes. Yeah. So here's the thing. The 51 minutes is even without seeing frame one of this, that's going to be the saving grace right now. Right now I'm thinking to myself, 51 minutes. I can do that. In my, you know, on doing a handstand and rimming. It's like one episode of a Netflix show, man. Come on. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, you, you already know the one episode of a Netflix show is 45 minutes, but I can't watch it unless I watch all 10. True. You got a bench. Yes. All right. That's right. <laughs> well, uh, hey, real quick, watch Skip Plus. You guys are doing John Wick 4. Is that right? So by the time Wick this 4. comes out, John Wick 4 will be out. To be re- uh, Thursday. Yes, by the time it comes out. And we have uh, the Wild Dream podcast boys uh, guesting with us. Awesome. Very nice. Yeah. And Sammy, what's going on at the Gentleman's Guide? I wish I knew what was going on by the time you hear this. I don't know when you're publishing this. But uh, uh, about three days on Friday. <laughs> on Friday, I really Saturday. don't know what's going on. Cool. Next week, I only know what's going on once I come back. Cool. Well, Sammy is just. A I won't f- give away yet. Yeah. Hey, big a- shout out to Will for uh, for keeping you guys yeah. afloat while you've been gone. Big, so big, big, big shout out to my brother yeah. Will. I love him to death. Big Will, big Will. We love, we love you. you, Will. Get him on here sometime. He keeps some odd hours. It's he does. Like, I told him these Canadian hours. We tried. We tried. We were going to do Johnny Toe with him, and he's like it's and, the whole Canadian. It's the whole Canadian superhero thing, man. He can't get his maple syrup jetpack to work. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, whose poutine rings are all hung up. Hopefully, by the time you discover this episode, you you went and listened to our last episode with the four of us. Uh, Brad, yeah. what episode was that one? Oh, that was Hudson Hawk. Yes. Yeah, Hudson Hawk. Which broke me more than LaQuisha, to be perfectly honest with you. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Okay. So, you know what Brad thinks of Hudson Hawk, if you hadn't heard that one yet. Oh, spoiler alert. (laughs) Tip my hat there. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) And then, uh, what what do we got next week, Brad? Oh, yeah. So, we are doing uh, the Disney 19 or 2001 film atlantis the lost empire yeah uh starring michael j fox that's gonna be fun yeah, yeah. Love it. it's on disney you know, plus so i admire you. i admire you guys for doing animated films i find animated films some of the most difficult stuff to review i really do yeah uh we we did a whole month so. of it and had a lot of fun man i i don't know uh, so i love hand-drawn animation so much that there's you really i mean i've seen some bad stuff but even the bad stuff i tend to like yeah. So mm-hmm. I have a really hard time, especially the hand drawn stuff. CGI stuff, that's a different story, but the hand drawn stuff, I have such an affection for it that it's really hard. And of course I watch so many documentaries on people doing that and all the hours they put into it and everything else. Like the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, Oh, it's so precious. Look at all these pretty drawings <laughs> coming to life. That's awesome. Hang on, hang on, hang on a second, honey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Well, okay. uh, Thank you for look. This episode was as much a surprise for us as it was for you. So, thank you for listening to the third experiment of Breaking Brad. Come back next month when we talk about BC Butcher. Go listen to the regular episodes. uh, Watch Get Plus Gentleman's Guide. 
And of course, not a bomb. And uh, we'll we'll catch you in 30 days. See you. Don't lose your head.